This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Jim, the story you sent me about the chimpanzee, yeah, it, it sounds like a horror movie. Yeah. How many times does this similar type of story have to happen before people stop bringing chimps home as pets? This happened in Oregon. Uh, this family, uh, they own a horse farm uh, just outside of Pendleton, Oregon, and they called 911 on Sunday after a 200-pound pet chimpanzee named Buck started fighting their daughter and biting her several times. Now, the daughter is 50 years old and the father is 68, so it's less scary than it could have been. But still, the quotes from the story and the 911 call are the scariest thing. So what happens after the chimpanzee starts attacking them, the the father grabs the daughter, they're able to get in the house, uh, hide in the basement away from the chimp, uh, but they call the police and they say, I've locked myself in the basement with her. I can't get out to get my gun. You're going to have to do a headshot, says the father. He goes, send more than one deputy because the ape, if the ape gets a drop on him, he's gone too. I, I picture the predator in in the in the tree. trees with like looking through like a different set of eyes. That's terrifying. Send more than one deputy because if the ape gets the drop on him, he's gone too. Yeah, and you know, some of these apes that are only 70, 100 pounds, even if you outweigh them, they will they will go to town on you. And They'll you rip no your chance. face this off. This is a 200-pound ape. A 200-pound wow. ape on a horse farm, Taz. Have they never watched Attack of the Planet of the Apes? <laughs> it does that sound like... ape starts saddling a horse. It's done for. We're done for. With a machine gun? It does sound like this thing just reached its breaking point. Yeah. It, it suddenly gained consciousness and... Yeah. Maybe it took some Ritalin or something out of the medicine cabinet. Its brain started evolving. I don't know. Because the, the owners say they've never seen Buck act like this, which is great and it's the way it always goes if you're owning an exotic animal as a pet it's it's fine you know every day that you own the thing is fine until the day it decides it wants to rip off your flesh yeah it's a real fun game of monkey roulette every day (laughs) yeah you just you win a little bit until you don't Tell me they were able to get the chimp without shooting it. They did not. I'm sorry. Uh, they did. No. But you know what? Kind of impressive. I mean, obviously, the, the the owner's to blame here. But impressive of the police. They did one shot, one head shot, and, and took it down, which is probably not easy to do. Uh, unfortunately, they had to do that because you're not going to risk any more people's lives with the 200-pound ape. Uh, the doctor was taken, or sorry, the daughter was taken to hospital. She had a severe bite on her torso, arms, and legs. But she is expected to make a full recovery. Poor Buck. Poor Buck just trying to live his little chimp life. Yeah. Ripped from the jungle. Uh Uh-huh. Wait until this makes it back to the the ape camp. Caesar? Wait till Caesar hears about this. Oh, wait till Koba hears about it. (laughs) He hates humans even more. strong. (laughs) Caesar stronger. (laughs) The Metallica Black Album. Celebrating 30 years. Holy moly. Hmm. Was I 13 years old when that album came out? I guess I was. Checks out, folks. That was such a, you know, to to have that album come out just as I was starting high school. That was the entire uh, time I was in high school. That was one of the biggest 
CDs that you'd put on at a party, man. Oh, no doubt. I could imagine how heavy it sounded in uh, 1992. Like, it must have been wild. Your disc man put on the anti-skip, hop on your BMX bike, the world was yours. He just went from Hall and Oates to Metallica <laughs> in two years. Yeah, so they are going to celebrate 30 years of the Metallica Black Album, doing the re-release thing. This fall, you're going to be able to get uh, the remastered re-release, and they're going all out with the extras. 53 songs what? on the album. Yeah. This thing is this is crazy. Uh, deluxe box set uh, comes out with three CDs. Uh, you can get it digitally, of course. Cassettes they're going to be releasing. I'm assuming they're going to do the vinyl thing because vinyl's still hot. But uh, one of the big draws with this is they've got an entire album of multiple covers of the songs from the album called the Metallica Blacklist. And they are giving all the money that is raised with this this cover album to charity. They're going to split it 50-50 between Metallica's All Within My Hands Foundation and a charity of the artist doing the cover's choice. So all the money from that Metallica blacklist is going to charity. And I'm just looking at the track listing here. You've got six different versions of Enter Sandman, seven different versions of Sad But True, five different versions of Holier Than Thou, seven different Unforgiven, four different Wherever I May Roam, uh, nothing else matters. You're ready for it? Twelve different versions. How? Who? What? Of nothing else matters on this thing. It, it, I'm telling you, this is one of the, the, the big albums of my lifetime. And obviously it's had an effect on a lot of musicians out there. Here is Elton John talking about his love for Metallica. When it came out, I, I, I heard Metallica's album when it came out. Um, nobody turned me on to them. I found them myself. But I've always been a huge fan. I love the orchestral stuff they did with the San Francisco Symphony. Um, and I've got to know them. And um, no, I'm just a huge fan of Metallica because what they do is so musical and it's so different to what I do that anything is like that is, appeals to me greatly. Okay, check out this version of Nothing Else Matters that's on this blacklist. You got Elton John playing piano. Here's Elton. This is when you got to get your piano teacher to show you how to play, Jim. Also on the track, you've got Robert Trillo from Metallica, Chad Smith, drummer from the Chili Peppers, and on lead vocals, Miley Cyrus. I like Miley's voice when she sings rock and roll songs. Yeah, sounds good. Just to throw in a, another wrench into the works here, Yo-Yo Ma is on the track. You know oh. Yo-Yo Ma? Cellist, I think? Uh, yeah, is he a cello guy?
if you're going to get a guy to play a cello on your song, you might as well get Yo-Yo. Yeah. I mean, how jealous is the San Francisco orchestra right Symphony now? Symphony orchestra? Yeah. Hey, what about us what? over here? Huh? We can play cello. <laughs> Remember? Well... Dude, there's 53 songs on the album. I wouldn't be surprised if the San Francisco Orchestra pops up as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, incredible. 30 years of the Black Album from Metallica. You can get the uh, the commemorative release of the album with the Blacklist. It's going to be available September the 10th. I want to see you peacock, your peacock, Time to take a look at sports here with Taz and Jim, joined by Devin Peacock from Global News Radio. Hey, Dev. Hey, guys. How about those Habs? They did it again. You know, Kerry Price, uh, great in net. Uh, the Habs, uh, at this point, uh, looking like uh, they're going to be going to the uh, Stanley Cup final. And if you're a Habs fan, I think you've got to be feeling pretty strong that they're going to win their first cup since 1993. I went to bed early. Give us the uh, rundown. What was the storyline through the game last night? Well, the storyline was the fact, number one, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was back in net for the Vegas Golden Knights, which was a bit surprising considering uh, what had happened earlier in the series. He was replaced by Robin Leonard. Now, they were uh, golden. the Golden Knights were talking about how uh, Fleury was just tired, and so they wanted to give him a break, and so he was back in the net. So it'll be curious to see, is he in the net again for Game 6, or do the Golden Knights go back to Robin Leonard for Montreal? It was a pretty complete uh, victory, and Nick Suzuki uh, was just uh, flying all around. It was an you know an interesting blend of uh, some of the Habs' youth and uh, veteran prowess. So you had Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Kokdiemi, uh, all score. Carey Price though uh, came up big. Eric Stahl scored for Montreal. Corey Perry was in the thick of it. So you had a nice blend of. Uh, Old and young for Montreal, they played pretty well. The team just really seems to be coming together. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't see how they don't win the Stanley Cup at this point. You think they're going to win the Cup? Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm fully uh, supportive of the Montreal Canadiens. I've I've been betting against them for far <laughs> too long, and while I'm not cheering for them, I think there's no way they lose. Uh, Dev is now trying to purposely jinx That's what it the Montreal like. Canadiens. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm, I, you know what? I've seen the light. I've seen the error of my ways. I'm trying to make amends uh, for the uh, for the first round. Uh, I, I want to see the Montreal Canadiens uh, pull this out. They deserve it. Okay, in all seriousness, uh, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if the final is Tampa Bay versus Montreal, uh, with with Tampa putting up 8 nothing scores against the Islanders, do the Habs have a chance? Well, the Habs truly, uh, in all seriousness, they do have a chance. But as you just pointed out, we just saw what Tampa did to the uh, New York Islanders. The one thing that Tampa has that no other team has that the Habs have faced so far is they have a top-notch goalie. Vasilevsky for Tampa is at the level of Carey Price, if not more. He's one of the best goaltenders in the world. So if goaltending is even in a possible Tampa-Montreal Stanley Cup final, then you look at the rest of the Tampa roster, and they are $18 million over the, over the salary cap, and they are showing why they are such a good team. One, one of the best lyrics written by the Glorious Sons up to this point has got to be this one. Yeah, punch the man. Wedding night, I'm still trying to figure out how to apologize. 
And apparently that kind of stuff happens. Here's a story out of Ohio, uh, Mansfield, Ohio, about halfway between Columbus and Cleveland. I know that the Taz and Jim show, we've got listeners in, in Ohio. If this is you, good morning. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for the story. <laughs> Tell us your side. one taz and Jim. Two guys, 29-year-old Justin Crawl and 22-year-old William Beeson, showed up uninvited to a wedding in Mansfield. Uh, and they tried to walk out of the wedding venue with a case of beer in their hand. Oh, dear. The groom noticed what was going on, tried to stop them, and... Yeah, punched a man on his wedding night. I'm still trying to figure out how to apologize. One of the two wedding crashers started swinging. He landed at least one punch. Then Justin jumped in. Uh, wedding guests had to get into the mix and break the whole thing up. Um, the two guys who were crashing the wedding, though, once the guests got involved, they took the brunt of it, as you can imagine. Yeah. Wow, I was just trying to have a good time. I Sorry, I didn't mean to steal a case of beer, guys. <laughs> I'm just picturing Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn for some reason. Absolutely. But they were, like, fun. if you're going to crash a wedding, I would never recommend it, but join, dance with some ants, dress up, have a good time, maybe get a couple yeah. free beers at the bar. Don't push it. Get the phone number of a bridesmaid. Sure. Don't Go just, away for the weekend. Don't steal gifts or steal a case of beer. That's, uh... It goes against the wedding crashers' code, I believe. Yeah, Owen you, Wilson would be disgusted. You're supposed to be towing the line of legality, you know? Not just bursting through it cops uh came they arrested the guys um they're facing charges of theft trespassing and disorderly conduct there you go it's been it's been a tough year for wedding crashers (laughs) there haven't been any weddings right yeah some are only 15 people uh big so you're gonna not be able to fly under the radar as easy you can't blend in with the crowd like you used to but uh (laughs) Weddings are back and wedding fights are back. Yeah, punched a man on his wedding night. I'm still trying to figure out how to apologize. I mean, we got to send a Taz and Jim kudos, kudos out to a guy named Rain Canoof. Lives in Omaha and he contacted the Guinness Book of World Records about setting the record for most naked skydiving jumps in 24 hours. He was told that he would achieve the record if he performed at least 25 jumps in 24 hours, buck naked. Mm-hmm. He did it 60 times. Oh, in your face, other naked guy. There you go. 60 naked skydives in 24 hours. Think about that. You're basically falling. For 24 hours. That's a lot. You've been skydiving, Jim. Yeah, yeah. How long did it take you from the time you jumped out of the plane to get to the ground? Uh, I would say less than five minutes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sometime around there. It seemed like it took a long time because your adrenaline's going, but I would say, yeah, less than five minutes. But that's at least so two naked skydives an hour. <laughs> when you think about it that way... I just like he Wild. must have like he so he lands he runs to the plane because they must have multiple planes going he run because the plane has to circle back and then land again yeah it takes time to land take off yeah takes time to fall yeah and then there's got to be a guy with the armor all wiping the seat every time he gets in and out obviously I was gonna say he'd have to stop occasionally for bathroom br- breaks but uh, 
Much to the chagrin of people on the ground, I don't think he'd have to. <laughs> Guy in the convertible? What kind of bird was that? Pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's it's a shame. Honestly, I, kn- I know it's immature, but it's a shame he didn't go for 69. I mean, he was so close. He's naked sky jumping, skydiving. It would have just been the icing on the cake, really. You'd think that uh, he'd have some injuries after naked skydiving that many times in 24 hours, like just from the flapping alone. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the parachute. Yeah. Here's some serious... <laughs> Yeah, uncontrollable areas when you're naked skydiving and you're a man. I mean, and depending how old he is, it could complicate the situation <laughs> even further. Oh my God, my chute won't open. Oh, was pulling the wrong ripcord. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he did it for a great cause, though. He lost a friend to mental health issues who was close to his 100th jump. And uh, it's tradition if you're, you are a skydiver that your 100th jump is a naked skydive. Oh, really? Yeah, he says his friend was so close to to reaching that milestone, he'd talk about it all the time, but unfortunately, (laughs) he passed away before he had the opportunity. So he broke the record, 60 naked skydives in 24 hours so he could raise money for uh, men's mental health and suicide prevention. So a very (laughs) admirable cause, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure... A couple people were a, a little surprised. <laughs> it's not when you're falling, it's not a big deal. Because people are looking up, they're like, what is that? It's when your chute's open and you're just kind of cruising to the ground buck naked. Yeah. That's where. And then the part where you have to, when you're about to <laughs> land and you put your legs up, you're kind of in a sitting position. Nobody wants to look uh-huh. up at that. Yeah. You don't want to be near any skyscrapers going by a staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> going along the window accidentally. <laughs> Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it isn't. It's Rain Canoof in all his glory. I want to see you peacock. You peacock. It's time for sports with Taz and Jim. Here is Devin Peacock from Global News Radio. Dev, we are even closer now to single game betting being allowed in Canada. What's the deal? Yeah, so a bill legalizing single-game sports betting in this country has passed. It was approved in the uh, Senate uh, yesterday, and so this is a huge, huge step forward. So this means betting on single games of football, hockey, and other sports is about to become legal in Canada. Uh, What happens next, however, is this goes to the provinces because the provinces regulate gambling in the country so the fact that it's legal now doesn't mean tomorrow you can just immediately go and start to bet on games and it's going to be up to the provinces to do it however they want so if you look at ontario ontario wants to have a framework by the fall and then implement new regulations and rules by the super bowl looks like for next year but if you look at bc they have a, uh, a website set up already. They want to do it in-house through the BC Lottery Commission. So they have something called playnow.com. So if they bring this under their playnow.com apparatus, they could offer single-game betting almost immediately. So depending on where you live in this country, you'll be able to begin betting on single games earlier than the others. So BC people might be able to do it quicker. Ontarians 
as is the case during the pandemic, we're going to have to wait. Bro, the Tim Hortons briar is going to be lit in the fall (laughs) if we are gambling hard on these games. And we are fascinated by the Fast and Furious movie franchise. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say we're fascinated. And furiousinated? And furious. And and we're fascinated and curious. We didn't talk about this story. It came out a couple weeks ago. (laughs) This is for real. They're saying they might do a crossover movie with Jurassic Park and the Fast and the Furious. This is not. I saw this too. This is not going to happen. There's no way. When the story came out, we got an email from our Hamilton producer, Manny. And he said... Fast and the Furious meets Jurassic Park. Vin Diesel and Chris Pratt are like Taz and Jim on steroids. <laughs> I'm yeah, assuming I'm Vin Diesel. HGH, we yeah. might, yeah, we bulked up a little because I'm the bald guy, and you've got a bit of a red hair tint. Yeah, You'd sure. Be Chris Pratt. Uh huh. Totally. <laughs> Let's start pumping some iron. <laughs> I just don't see how the Jurassic Park universe. And the Fast and Furious, like, whatever, like, I would love to see Vin Diesel drive up the tail of a T-Rex and then, like, ramp off its head. (laughs) There's only one thing that can defeat these dinosaurs. Muscle cars. (laughs) Okay, another Fast and the Furious story here. New issue of Men's Health magazine. Vin Diesel is interviewed. And Vin Diesel and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson... They've had a feud going back and forth for a while. They worked on one of the Fast and Furious movies together. A couple, yeah. Apparently, they did not get along, okay? You can see why there'd be a rivalry. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, similar. Like, they both should be playing the same character. Exactly. They're the same (laughs) guy, almost. Except The Rock's bigger. So, uh, Vin Diesel, in this interview, says... His tough love approach is what soured the relationship. Ready? Quote, It was a tough character to embody the Hobbs character. My approach at the time was a lot of tough love to assist in getting that performance where it needed to be. I would do anything I'd have to do in order to get the performances in anything I'm producing. (laughs) That's the stupidest thing I've ever... The Rock plays the same character in that movie as he does in every other single movie he's ever been in ever. Vin Diesel! (laughs) Does Vin Diesel think he's Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah, like he's really embodying a character. He's a monotone, tough guy who plays like he's the same as he is in Pitch Black as he is in all the Fast and Furious movies. He's talking about the audience believing The Rock in the role. You and I did go to see that movie together. I do remember that, Jim. Remember the part where we looked at each other and we started laughing uncontrollably to the point we were almost crying? There is a scene in that movie... Where the Rock realizes his friends need help, but he's in the hospital. Oh, yeah! <laughs> and then he flexes his arm so hard that his cast explodes. Yeah. In, like, shrapnel, the plaster goes flying. Yeah, he had just fallen out of a building and, and destroyed his arm, but he's able to flex so hard his cast explodes off his arm. <laughs> and then five minutes later, he's ripping a... A uh, Gatling gun off a helicopter and shooting it down the middle of uh, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. And if Vin Diesel wasn't such a jerk to The Rock, you never would have believed it, Taz. Yeah, he worked hard to get the performance he needed. <laughs> My son is, he's four years old. We, we let him start playing this video game, Roblox, 
Worst graphics ever, by the way. I don't get it. He, it's all he wants to talk about, too. Like, he's telling me stories about this game, and I have to <laughs> pretend to be interested. And if we take it away from him, he's he's not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he throws a tantrum. So, uh, getting some advice from you other parents out there. You got some kids? Yeah, I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old and a, a two-year-old. Are you going to let them play video games? Oh, yeah, for sure. They're they're already into it. My my oldest three and a half year old, she's uh, she's been holding a controller since she was about one. The uh, first time she held a controller, I uh, she she's seen me play video games, so she knew how to hold it. Yeah. So she, I handed it to her upside down. She freaked out, turned it around, was holding it, had her thumbs in the right spot. She's uh, she plays these like. Um, it's an Xbox game called Geometry Wars. Yeah. Where she'll she'll watch the game, and I'm watching her learn. Her oh, there's no is, question like, they know how to do it. The problem is, does she have a meltdown when you take the controller away oh, from for her? for sure. But that's with anything. You give them anything that they want, yeah. they'll have a meltdown. That's so true. It, YouTube, any Netflix. Anything. So it comes down to the parenting at that point. It's It's learning to take it away. And stick with your your decision. If if you don't want them being addicted to video games, don't let them be addicted to video games. If you don't want them addicted to drugs, don't let them get addicted to drugs when they're older. Like yeah, they're take their drugs away when you think they've had enough. Simple. There's the solution. I feel like that guy just called to brag about how good his daughter is at video games. He he was describing <laughs> her holding the controller like like her her daughter pulled the Excalibur out of the stone. The proudest papa. She was able to wield the controller like a full-grown adult. First time she ever played, she got a Tetris out of the gate. <laughs> incredible. Jake, what do you think about the kids playing video games? How do you deal with this? Well, uh, I think you put on a schedule. And you, you just you show them, hey, it's not time right now. But in, in 15 minutes, and then they'll know what the, is it. They'll maybe start asking you, what time is it? What time is it all the time? But at least they're not yeah. addicted to the game the same. I've been setting the oven timer. So, <laughs> like, you have 30 minutes to play this, but, the, you know, it doesn't change the, when, the, the reaction when I tell him he's done. Yeah, scheduling typically works pretty good. No, that's what my wife did all through my kids, and they grew up really nice. <laughs> you did it right. Good for you. It's yeah, tough, yeah. man. Like, I'm sure my wife doesn't want them playing video games, but at the same time, she's working from home. If I'm not there, how does she keep them distracted so she can get work done? So uh, this year, you're right, Jim. You mentioned that it's it's been a tough one to to limit the video games for the kids. Mm-hmm. The good old fashioned coloring book. What's a coloring book? <laughs> what, is that Xbox or PlayStation? Yeah, what console is that on? PC? <laughs> Thank you very much for checking out the Taz and Jim podcast. If you want to listen to us the old-fashioned way, live on the radio, you can do that on FM 96 in London or Y108 in Hamilton weekday mornings from 5.30 until 9.30. Or subscribe, keep downloading the podcasts, And we'll keep talking.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.